politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere lord we got folks in the street ain't got nothing to eat and the whole beast milk and welfare god if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here today by my co-host and star of this show, AMBS, America's Most Beloved Sports Writer, the Hall of Famer, Kevin Kernan. Today on the show, he's joined by myself and star of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, our very own Will George, uh, to, to cap out Coaching Kernan, episode 342 on the network. Before we get going and bring Kevin on, just want to thank two groups quickly. First, our audience, 55,000 and climbing. Appreciate your support. Make sure you give this uh, show five stars, write some nice comments, because we do battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. Let iHeartRadio know they made the right choice here. Stream it on whatever device you want, but make sure you hit iHeart hard after this show. Second is our newest friend uh, in the podcasting world, Blackout Coffee. Their slogan is Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, if you go to checkout with their coffee, homegrown coffee, they decided they wanted to stop giving their money away to all these coffee companies that were putting it toward causes that weren't patriotic, weren't American. So they decided to start their own. We want to thank them for their friendship and also the uh, reward they're giving our customers at 20% uh, at checkout. David, D-A-V-I-D with the number 20, all capitals with the letters. Type that in, you'll get 20% out at checkout. And with that, I want to bring our star of the show, Kevin Kern. And Kevin, welcome back to your show. Yeah, great to be back. Had a week up in Jersey, so a little craziness. And uh, it's good to be back in beautiful St. Augustine. The weather's perfect this time of year. And um, busy Monday. It was a crazy manager Monday, you know. And uh, the uh, so we're going to be, this is kind of be like the man in the dugout hour. But we got a lot to say. And I'll start it off with, like, you know, the T-shirt I picked this morning, and if we were visual, you would see it, but it says, I got my old over-nerding T-shirt on today because baseball is completely going backwards. I was talking to some I talked to, I talked to a manager yesterday, I won't say who, current manager, texting with a couple people, a lot of people in uh, you know front offices recently. Um, and even when things are right in their face, the nerds, and I'm not backing down on the nerds, by the way, right in their face, they still won't accept it. They're smarter than you. Bruce Bochy comes in, veteran guy, wins his fourth World Series. Chris Young comes in, smart guy, Ivy League guy. And again, I'm not against Ivy League smart guys. If they know baseball and Chris Young knows baseball, they put together a game plan. They turn it around and in Bochy's first season, like I said, they would. If you remember going all the way back to our shows before the season started, uh, I said, this is the team to watch. They won it all. And despite all that success, the last uh, Bochi, you know, he, he where he is up in age, Dusty Baker, 73, Snickers, 66, I think at the time. The last three World Series winning managers were all veteran experienced guys. They still throw it in your face. They want to get guys they can control. It's a joke. It's it's these nerds. These And I got a new new term for the nerds, too, now. They're, they're trust fund nerds, most of them now. They're not just, they all come in as interns somewhere because their daddy or mommy has so much money. They can be trust fund nerds. Uh, and, and then they rise up. They never get fired. Like a baseball man told me this this morning, was texting me early. Nerds never get fired, 
but they keep hiring and doing it their way, keep ruining franchises. And what's happened over the last 24 hours is hilarious. Uh, the Mets, uh, by the way, in my column last week, I, I wrote about, uh, you know, and I said it last week on the show or the week before, uh, no way Greg Council was going to New York. He's not a New York guy. You got to be a New York guy to take over in New York. He's a Midwest guy. It was such a clown show. And the media jumped all over it like he was going to be the next manager. And by the way, the media in Chicago, asleep at the wheel, had no clue about any of this happening. So, so you're not only being let down by your front office nerds, fans, you're being let down by your media who, uh, you know, David Ross got stabbed in the back by Jed Hoyer, who, who's good at stabbing people in the back. I mean, he's got a proven record of it. And that's what nerds do. They don't trust people. They don't act humanely. They stab you in the back if they can. And they, they keep their jobs no matter what. Look at all the people Cashman has fired in the last 20 years. It's always somebody else's fault. So anyway, I did the uh, homework and, and I, I, I looked up what the, what Mr. Stearns was saying when he got hired. And basically... He, he mentioned how he wanted a partner as a manager, you know, someone who would take in all the, uh, you know, the granular information that the uh, nerds want to give him. And he's got that now, Carlos Mendoza. No, Carlos, well, nice guy, good, good manager in the minors. Uh, but he, you know, he doesn't have that proven major league experience. This tells me Francisco Lindor will still run the Mets. That's what we got from this bottom line here. And, and Carlos may do well, but you, you basically went from Buck. To the Mendoza line. Is it going to work? We'll see. And, uh, you know, the uh, whereas Chris Young was all about we want leadership. Managing is leadership. And uh, Frank Robinson said this years ago. He said, I had no trouble communicating. The players didn't just like uh, didn't didn't like what I had to say. And sometimes you got to say uncomfortable things. Council gets a great job, great money. Um He's got one, I think, playoff win under his belt in nine years in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, he's got the built-in excuse, small market, so you don't have to win. But meanwhile, you know, Bochy comes into a team that lost 100 games two years ago, 90-something the, the, the next year, turns it around. So the nerds will continue to run the game into the ground. One final point before I throw it over to you guys. Uh, I think the women's college basketball uh, had a nine point something, nine million viewers. And the average for the Major League Baseball this year in the World Series was 8.5. Great job, Commissioner Manfred, ruining the game. Here we go again. And uh, um, I got to be thinking that the guy that's got to be laughing somewhere is Rick Renteria, who was replaced by Joe uh, Madden in a very similar move years ago. It worked out, of course. Joe, we love Joe Madden. Uh, but, you know, there's. Just don't just when they talk about the team being a family, Bochi's team was a family. He made it a family. These guys aren't making it a family unless you're talking about being the godfather, which I watched again on my trip. So that's the kind of family they want. That's it. That's a pretty good rant. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what, yeah. what, uh, what about the I know the the Indians and we'll continue to call them the Indians on this show. But yeah, the, the, Indians. Indians, the Indians snuck snuck their managerial hire in with with uh, what, Stephen Voigt. Yeah, I, you know, he was he was built to be a manager. You know, he's good what they you know, he's what they want. Um, he's creative. He's funny. He'll be good with the media. It's low key. They don't another team that, hey, if I had a major league job, I wish I could work for the Indians because nothing's expected. You know, you're not even expected to have a real baseball name anymore with the Indians. So so it's a, it's a joke. Um, again, there's so many qualified people out there. Um and the first-year managers, uh, 
you know, they, they all come in with bells and whistles, but the reality is once they get in the job, they make huge mistakes. And, and I'll go back to the Mets real quickly. I'm, I know we'll go in depth later, but look at, they keep hiring first year managers. It doesn't work out. You know, I, I mean, it's, you know, time and time again. And, 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 and they, I, I think they actually thought they had a chance to get counsel because the way they played this and uh, they, they were caught once again, asleep at the wheel. That's what the Mets do. The Mets are always asleep at the wheel. Uh, they got the richest owner in baseball. And it's so funny now how managers, everybody uses the Mets to get a bigger raise. And that, and that's what, that's Steve Cohen's legacy right now is that he's getting a lot of money for people uh, at other places and his team's not winning. So again, Mets fans, uh, it's good that you had to go to a Yankees bench, a team that was declared as a disaster by its own GM to find a manager. And guys, just throw one. I'm gonna throw one name out. Just one name, okay? Guys like Willie Randolph can't get a sniff, you know. Just like Sabian couldn't get a sniff up in Boston when they hired uh, another nerd up there. And I saw another nerd uh, went from the Rays to uh, you know Miami. So it's only gonna get worse. The game's only gonna get worse. The team's only gonna get worse. And uh, uh, that's where we are in Major League Baseball. Yeah. How about David Cohen applied for the pitching job or put through his hat in the ring, couldn't get a sniff. For the well, why would you want anybody who's talented and knows what they're doing? You want to Dave and Will, it's all about having somebody to control. That's what this is all about. It's not about getting a quality person who's going to get in your face and maybe get even us. We you know we disagree on things sometimes and get in your face. You move on. Be a man. That's my main message here. Baseball used to be a manly sport. Now it's filled with you know, who knows what it's filled with. You know, uh, a ton to unpack there, but uh, we lost Bobby Knight last week and uh, listened to a great podcast with Jason Whitlock. He had Warren Sapp, Brett Favre, Marshall Falk, and uh, Brian Urlacher on. And they talked about guys like Bobby Knight, and Sapp talked about Tony Dungy, and Favre talked about uh, in Green Bay, Mike Holmgren and uh, Mike Martz and St. Louis and Dick Vermeil and Urlacher talked about Lovey Smith, that, that those guys were leaders. Kevin, you talked about leaders. Leaders are not afraid to kick somebody in the ass when they need to be kicked in the ass because people who truly care about people tell them, that that's not acceptable, and that's what makes the product good. It makes the player great that has talent, and and that's where winning comes from. And that's what Bruce Bochy's presence and Dusty Baker's presence and Buck Showalter's presence, uh, you know, Brian Snicker and his staff, their presence, that's what makes greatness. It, uh, Absolutely. They, they, they just don't get it. They, they want to be everybody, you know, like I think the one common thing all those guys talked about, all those coaches said, I'm not your friend. Everybody wants to be everybody's friend now. Leaders don't, can't be your friend. Leaders have to lead. There are some uncomfortable things that need to be said for people to get better. And unfortunately, we're not saying them. That's what's suffering on the products on the field that we watch all the time. You know, well, it's society. It's society as well because, yeah. uh, and you guys see it 
close up every day. You know, I'm a little bit out of it now. My kids being older with the grandkids, but the parents, uh, the parents today don't want to lead. And this is why we're in the situation we're in in so many uh, ugly situations. And and managers, they they don't. It's not only they don't lead, but they don't want them to lead. That's that's the rub here, and that's why the that's why you could never trust nerds. And this is why I you know, I got on the anti nerd bandwagon years ago, and I'm not getting off it because it's only getting worse. And the same thing, nerd elites, and same things happening in society. Nerd elites are trying to run well, every they, aspect of our life. They made a movie about it in the '80s, The Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Revenge of the Nerds, they got revenge in one and in two, they became the leaders and they screwed everybody else. And that's the model they're following. <laughs> and, and they don't win. That's the bottom line, too. They don't win. I mean, they, uh, you know, I would have loved to see the Guardians win that in 2016. Like I said, Joe Madden, Joe Madden did a great job, I thought. And of course, Theo turned on him soon after. So, but you tell me, you know, Chris Young came again. The, the Texas Rangers are such a textbook example of how to do it right, and uh, you know, and bringing the players who are gamers and and expect you know, Marcus Simeon played every basically played every inning this year. You know, it's like the kid that plays for the. I know he took some heat, including from our friend Jeff, you know, Fry Daddy over there. Um, but uh, you know that Max Crosby guy. With the uh, with the Raiders, his motor doesn't stop. He plays every play. He's got um, unbelievable. You know, this these are the kind of guys you want to have in your organization. And by the way, just a sidelight, I had to listen to the Giants going up to New Jersey and coming back. And I said it last week on the show. I'll say it again. Brian Dayball doesn't know what he's doing. He's a terrible coach. Uh, for them to, and, and the GM too. Uh, for them to invest that kind of money in Daniel Jones and you and and, and you guys know football as well. You could see from the beginning that Daniel Jones, for what talent he had, was a very fragile person in in physic physicality to, to stand up to what's going on in the NFL these days, and and uh, to listen to that game, um, to, the Giants quit, and also they traded Leonard Williams, their best <laughs> defensive lineman, and they wonder why the defense didn't show up. They quit. I've been around NFL teams, man. When when the, when the front office quits, that's why I love about the NFL. Front office quits on you. They quit. The players quit real quick because they, they they know they know what's going on, and that's what happened in Oakland. They got rid of the coach there, who McDaniel's, who basically was not a leader. It's the same thing. No matter what sport we talk about, you got to have leadership. And you got to have raising a family. You got to have leadership. You got to make uncomfortable uh, decisions sometimes. You got to tell the truth. And the b- big difference. And I was in this, so that's just this the whole line. We used to have a media who protected us. Now they enable them. Yeah. Ed, you, you brought up Bob Knight, uh, Will, and, and Kevin. I get asked um, all the time about have kids changed out there, and I think the easy answer is yes. But what's changed is parenting. This generation of parents oh. failed the next generation, and, and it's frightening to watch. And to, to bring up Knight, Coach Knight, um, I had three encounters with him. I won't go into detail with all three as a college basketball coach, but when I got my first Division One head coaching job um, at Jacksonville State, I had the opportunity to sit with him um, and talk. I had had a couple prior encounters, and he asked me the, the question right off the bat. You know, I was I wasn't even quite I wasn't even thirty years old yet, and he asked. You can't choose both. Would you rather be respected or would you rather be liked? 
Mm. And uh, fortunately, I chose respected. And he said, that's the right answer. You'll be fine. That was it. You'll be fine. Slap me on the back, walked away. Yeah, and I covered I him a few he, times. He in freely NCAA. gave information had a good relationship with him because he likes honesty. You know, if you're honest, you know, that's, that's again. And he, and the players who uh, couldn't play for him, uh, that's on them. Yeah. I will, I will share this, too. You, it kind of goes into what you guys are both saying about leadership. Um, first time I met him, I was at a five-star camp. I was probably nine years old. I had just won the Elks hoop shoot for the state. And my dad was a coach. They brought, you know, he got to go watch. And he pulled me out there with the players because um, he was the big speaker at Five Star. That used to be for AAU summer travel basketball. Oh, yeah. Five Star and uh, Garf, Garfinkel and those guys have been up there. with Rick. Actually, I went up there with Rick Pitino many years ago. All those guys were, were there as, as instructors teaching dribbling, passing. That, that was the mecca. But he asked the players a question first to start off camp. He had them all stand up. These are the top 70 players in the country. He said, I want all you guys to raise your hand. And if you've had a coach that you don't like or you didn't like, and the kids wouldn't raise their hand because they were afraid of him. And then um, eventually he raised his hand. He goes, come on, everybody raise. Everyone's had a coach you don't like. And uh, he raised his. And then um, I was too scared. I kind of stood off in the back. I was still little. I was nine. And these guys are all 17 years old. And he looked at him all in the eye, kind of slow in his way. And he goes, I'm going to let you guys in a little secret. We don't like all you son of a bitches either. And that was, and I thought that was a great, I didn't understand it at the time. My dad explained it to me. But as I got older, I understood it too. Because, you know, my, we go through with our children, with our players. And I tell this to the kids that I'm involved with now, now that I'm not coaching collegially. But I said, you're going to be mad at me today. Maybe you can be mad at me for a day, a week, a month. Um, I really don't care. I'm going to sleep well at night. I, I know I'm disciplining you. I know I'm demanding from you. I'm not demeaning you. There's a, there's a fine line. But if you're mad at me for a day, a week, a month, because I called you out on something that nobody else would, and I'm holding you to a higher level, I'll be fine. I'll sleep well at night. But if I don't call you out in 20 years from now, when you have children and you realize, Hey, I was with this guy who knew better, who could have pushed me, who could have driven me, who could have dragged me. And he didn't. You're going to resent me. And that's a whole different emotion that I don't want to get into. So I said, I'd much rather have you hate me in your mind for a day, week, month um, than, than resent me 20 years from now. Because I think that's the role of a parent. That's the role of a coach. doesn't matter what level. You know, uh, brings up a funny story. My nephew, Jonathan, that works for the Rangers, uh, went into his local uh, high school hall of fame. And uh, him and my brother, my brother had coaching and scouting background and played professional baseball and college basketball. And my nephew was a good athlete. And they used to go head to head a little bit, father and son on the field. And I, one day my brother said, look, he said, if you want somebody to come out here and tell you how good you are and cheer for you, I'll see if the cheerleaders are available to come out. Otherwise, if you want to learn and get better, <laughs> I'm not here to be your cheerleader. I'm here to help you get better. It's, it is what it is. Well, that's kind of what the media's role is too now, right, Kevin? I mean, the, the media has become that cheerleading crowd for teams and coaches, managers, whatever, whatever sport it may be. Oh, absolutely. And you see it time and time again. And um, you, you listen to press conferences now. The questions are so convoluted. Nobody knows how to ask a, a, a decent question. Um, again, back to the Giants. I happen to, you know, when you drive 15 hours straight, you got to listen whatever's on to keep you awake. And uh, just uh, the post game with Dayball, he, 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 nobody asked him any, any, any questions like, uh, did you know um, I, in your relationships with, uh, with Daniel Jones, uh, did you 
believe he was going to be this fragile? Just ask that and find an answer. Find out how they really feel. Instead, they kept asking, when, you know, when did you know we got hurt? Well, everybody knows that stuff already. We watched the game. Ask some questions that have some depth. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, again, because of my article with the ball, with ball9.com and my stuff with uh, on Twitter, AMBS underscore Kernan, um, K-E-R-N-A-N, I keep up on these things and I watch these things and it's a different world now across the board. And it's kind of sad to see because the the media, and this is the biggest change I've seen in the media. And I'm sure uh, the nerds, will, the nerds, the nerds also got in the media. You know, I couldn't tell you how many guys suddenly were trust fund kids in the, you know, covering games or something or something, something in the media and, 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 and they fall for the analytics because they don't know the game. When I started, guys, um, myself, Clappers, Verducci, uh, um, um, and a bunch of other guys too, played like college sports at some level, you know, and um, understood competition. They don't understand competition. And even in the column I did, I recommend everybody go back and read it on, uh, I did last, last week, was that, you know, they put all these fancy terms out there. And I say, I say, why don't you try to optimize winning? Optimize winning. That's the bottom line. We've lost our way. We've lost our way across the board. And um, the good news is guys like Bochy still show up. They'll figure it out. There'll be one or two teams, outliers, you know, that'll, that'll go against the grain. And, 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 I, and I, I, we say it all the time. The World Series team is always a real baseball team. They do real baseball things. And, and for Bochi to come through this year with all the injuries, all the things that happened with the Rangers, uh, that last road trip, which was everywhere you had to go, and that actually made them a better team. It brought them together, I think. And uh, and teams like the Orioles won't spend money, so they they got talent, but they won't be there. The Yankees have become a joke. The Red Sox could turn it around, but again, we the, a new GM. Uh, we'll see what this guy what this guy knows. Uh, you know. He speaks John Henry's uh, nerd speak language, so that's why he got hired. Uh, so I see uh, much of the same for for a lot of these teams. Kevin, I think I, I think the Yankees will be okay. They hired an analytic firm to figure out where their analytics have gone gone off the track, and then uh, um, uh, <laughs> I, the guy in Boston he's going to create thought partners. Yes, you want to have thought partners. Should, partners. should help there. And uh, What is that, thought partners? I, I don't know. I, I, you know, Kevin, you, 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 you took that Joey Tribbiani thing from France <laughs> and, and put that in your article that uh, I shared that with a bunch of people, uh, Clint Hurdle and O'Dowd and <laughs> – well, they must have loved it because they're oh real, my gosh, real they people, love real it. men. They love well, it. Let me just jump this in. And Breslow did play, of course. We're talking about Craig yeah. Breslow. And I, I never had any real dealings with him. I remember he was kind of like, I, I always got the vibe from him when I went to interview him, like, hey, I'm way smarter than you. What are you doing? So so when you're like a half crappy relief pitcher, I don't I don't have to get to know you. So goodbye. So, uh, so anyway, um, I just want to read this paragraph and I'll let you get back to it, Will. But. Uh, and like I said in that article, I'm not going to wear you out, but Breslow offered such delights as, quote, the right thought partner will avail itself. A right-handed bat to even out some of the platoon asymmetry. Some objective and analytically driven. Ubiquity. That's a good one. Ubiquity is one of the big words. Uh, optimization. 
dot, 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 create an overarching philosophy behind that goal, synthesizing analytical information. You know, that's what, that's what Casey Stingle did. He synthesized static analytical information. And then finally, when you tether yourself to a singular approach, you lose opportunities to create competitive advantages. You know what I call on this? I call bullshit on all that. And 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 uh, if I was at that press conference, I would have said, well, what about, uh, hey, uh, Craig, what about winning? Where does that fit in your scheme? And then let them answer the question. Yeah. Just like you guys just said about parenting, media has to understand that they're kind of like parents here over these teams, and they need to ask the tough questions instead of just going along. And I'll bring it back to the Cubs again. The Cubs media had no clue about any of this happening. And, and let's not forget, now, Ross got screwed. Yes, I agree. But they collapsed down the stretch, so shouldn't they have been asking tough questions? They, 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 they completely fell apart, didn't make the postseason, and nobody was questioning anything. So, so well, and- Jed Horner should be questioned. How did this guy keep his job? They all keep their jobs, though. And, uh, you know, Breslow's lab, uh, what did it actually do for the Cubs pitching? Exactly. It wasn't very good. Uh, And I think Jim Palmer mentioned he read in the Boston Globe that he said his lab uh, increased velocity, improved pitch shape, and command in in, 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 in that order of importance. And I think Jim said, well, you got that one wrong or whatever, wrong answer or whatever. Well, that, you know, Jim Palmer, I listened to that podcast, and, and, and that's the other thing. We don't, we don't plug each other here too often because we know we're good and we tell the truth. But that Jim Palmer podcast with you and Mark Wiley was just a, such a lesson on pitching and, and overcoming adversity and being tough and team-oriented and trying to win. All that's been lost. And uh, – it has to drive Palmer nuts. Yeah, you know, and you know, he he he, such a memory too. A walk up on May twenty first, nineteen seventy one, of twenty thousand, where he pitched head to head against Vita Blue. Like people don't want to see Warriors go to war. Like no, we, want to we see all want now. That's what the nerds are telling us. We want to see a bullpen game in the World Series, <laughs> and then you you get out you get out uh, watched by the women's basketball college playoff game how many people would have uh, tuned in for a vita blue versus jim palmer game five (laughs) you know or game four or whatever as opposed to uh the the announcer getting excited about how many times the bullpen door was going to open that night well the shame of that would have been that palmer would have only they only would have kept palmer in for three innings because he hit you know he was uh he was getting up in his pitch count yeah uh, if you guys, uh, Jim Cott did his show on Monday, we, we announced on there, he got brought into Morgan Sword's office with the commissioner um, because he's 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 pissed. He was pissed about game three of the World Series, as we're talking about now, but he's also pissed how this mentality's trickled down to youth baseball. Yes. And, uh, they've started interviewing people like him and bringing them in to try to fix uh, the problem with, with youth baseball. And, you know, Major League Baseball, their only interest is money. And their interest is, you know, why can't, why do we get beat by the WNBA playoff game in the World Series? And just as you said, <clears throat> well, there's no marquee matchups with pitchers. No, no. You know, like like so Mark. On that. I did, uh, I nominated our entire network because Jim said they're asking me to potentially put a committee together to fix this. Yeah. And uh, I said, why did I nominate everybody on our, our uh, Real Voices of the Game network to be a part of that? Because well, Let me jump money. in here, Dave, because there was a guy I know. I did a story on about two years ago. 
when he got brought in two years ago, same thing. He was a hitting guy. And he brought in two years ago to fix it, too. So they keep bringing people in to fix it, but they don't do anything. Morgan Sword, one of Manfred's minions, created this problem. Yeah. So he's creating, a, he's trying to fix a problem he created. Sounds like the government, you know? And the same you know, thing with Manfred. These committees are useless. They're like the, the, the con- congressional committees. Nothing gets done. It's a, it's a, it's a, and, and I, you know, if they listen to Jim Cott, fine. Great. But, but, Jim Cott isn't running a team. The nerds are running the teams. And unfortunately for Jim, and I told my friend two years ago, by the way, because he he kept calling me, sending me texts, what they're doing, they're so close to this. And I said, you know what? It's all BS. You're getting used. And this is just this is this window dressing that MLB is looking at to, to make it seem like, oh, we care about the game. We're trying to bring in. It's not that hard. You know, I, you can fix the game in 20 minutes if, if you wanted to fix the game. They, they, they want the game to be the way it is, and it's not changing because the people in charge uh, don't want it to change. Well, I, and I, I shared this with you guys, I believe it was about eight years ago when uh, Rob asked Cal to be the youth baseball liaison, and he took yeah, it very seriously. Eight years. He spent about a year uh, putting together different ideas. He took them up to New York, and they said, oh, my gosh, you really did a lot of work, but we don't have the money for it. Yeah, but, you know, they got the money for all the other garbage. They, yeah, and, and, and one of the key components to it was educational seminars for parents and children about baseball player, healthy baseball player development, which we've had a million guests on, on our show who would gladly – you know, spend a Saturday and Sunday afternoon at a seminar helping young parents and and kids that truly love baseball, trying to educate them on what they need to do. Uh, Being involved locally, uh, you know, none of us make that much money that, you know, you know, these are off season things that we can bring a healthy approach to to youth baseball all over the country. Well, that's a great point, Will, but they don't have they made that effort? Have they done anything? No. What do they do, Will? They bring in bad bunny. They bring in bad bunny. So come on. Hey, if if if, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Right. No, it's it, it it's very unfortunate that 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 they don't take advantage of the people who truly love the game that would gladly uh you know do do camps, do do uh seminars with parents we're all available we would all love to make a positive impact to grow the game the way it should be grown i told you what cal's dad told us you know years ago you know when you go back home pay it forward you know teach teach what you learned here to kids it's only going to make the game a better game well you know, i think bad bunny, bad bunny had the same message so yeah I, I, I think so what the well did, did the teams have uh you know like pro soccer for instance part of their it used to be their initiative was to grow their backyard um did the major league baseball teams have that in their their uh you know offices? you know dave that's a great question like growing up for me um teams drafted in their own backyard as well uh they were very active um they did tryout camps they did a lot of different things and, uh, you know, if a kid, kid was a local kid, he he got maybe pushed up a couple rounds a little bit higher, you know, because, you know, 
it's a positive thing for your your area when a local kid gets drafted. But you know, we're we're cutting back on the draft. Um, we're drafting out of uh, the Power Five conferences only. We're not drafting hardly any junior college players. There's there are no Division two players. You know, Dave. You know, there's there's a lot of Division two quarterbacks. I just saw in one of the games the other night a Division two tight end. I think that was on the Bengals that's having a real good season. They were talking about, you know, there's good players everywhere, but we're not looking. We're not digging. Uh, we cut back to 42 teams, so we're not developing. We're, 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 we're missing the boat on a lot of different things. Well, let's take it a step further. They're stabbing in the back. The same people are, are supposed to do this looking in their own backyard. They're, they're putting the knife in the back of a David Ross. Don't even have the courage to. If you're going to fire David Ross, you fire him right after the season, right? right. You don't yeah. do do this now. And I'm not I'm not here defending David Ross because he made some mistakes. But again, I don't know how many nerds he's got whispering in his ear. So I don't know what he has control of anymore. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, he he inherited the the dumpster fire that that they had become. Theo left him a mess. And, is, and, uh, you know, he's the greatest GM in the history of the world. So they had, he left they, them a mess. He left the Red Sox a mess. Yeah, uh, they had no talent. Yeah. They had no farm system. David Ross took all the lumps. And this year they finally, you know, take a step forward. And they're in the run till the last week of the season. And you don't have the courage or the, the courtesy or the decency to a guy who – was your catcher on your only World Series team and the history that he's had with those people, I think going all the way back to Boston to, to, to tell him, you know what, I think we're going to go another direction because if counsel's available, we're, we're going to screw you. Over. I can tell you right now that they didn't, they, there was no hint of them giving that to him because if there was a hint of that, it would have leaked. That would have leaked out right? because word, word would have gotten out. Hey, you know, he would have told somebody who told somebody else, and they didn't tell any other teams, obviously, that they were looking. This was a total, um, you know, it, it's classic. It's about trust now. Can you trust if you're Dansby Swanson, you just signed a long term deal there, and you're thinking to yourself, geez, uh, right. whether he liked Ross or not, but you still got to think, geez, is, is this the place to be? If you're Cody Bellinger, do you say, do I want to be around these people? He's, He's out now. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. So, so all these things, it, again, the, the great thing about our show and all you guys and what you do in your own careers um, is that you're very um, common sense oriented. And if I had to pick one thing that baseball has lost, it's, a, it's ability to be common sense oriented. How in the world do you believe that you're going to get a manager from Milwaukee to go to New York? And New York has a lot of problems right now. It's great if you're a millionaire. I get it. You can live great. But still, it's not it's not it's not the Midwest. And you have two kids in college at, at Big Ten and you have kids in high school. And you actually think you can bring that manager to New York to leave his family when he can go anywhere he wants. So there's absolutely no common sense. These people live in such bubbles. They have no common sense. And 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 uh, and to get rid of Buck Showalter and wind up with a first year manager who you're going to roll the dice on. No common sense, and nobody's nobody is questioning them for their lack of baseball knowledge, their lack of common sense, their lack of trust, their lack of common decency. 
That's what we have now in Major League Baseball. That's why you turn off the channel. Now, that last part is one that bothers me a ton. And in fact, the, the camp that my son Tanner was at this weekend with Tom Griffin, uh, he had a PowerPoint with some some great catchers through time. And David Ross was actually on the PowerPoint and gave a message to the kids. And his, me- his message was the most important thing for a catcher, and you can put whatever you want in there, is to care in capital letters, care about everyone and everything they do. Well, <laughs> that that obviously wasn't the case with the Cubs with him. Oh, and, and again, let's let's because we we, we we don't just yell here. We give solutions that they don't listen to. But we give look what the look what the Rangers did. They got the catcher Heim, who cared so much about his pitchers. You could just see that. And he willed them through some situations. And I believe, well, was he with the Orioles and they, they let him go? Yes. Or, yeah. And I get it because yeah. you got out of the rush but but still. You, you you pick you pick up these players that care. You you build an organization that cares, and suddenly you win a World Series, and nobody pays attention because well, they want to just hire the latest nerd. There's a lot to be said for being genuine in who you are, and those press conferences and those words are not genuine. No, um, they're not. That's a great point. Not real. I think I always bring up Rush Limbaugh's first book was uh, that we're becoming a society of symbolism over substance. Mm-hmm. Symbolism is all the big words and the thought thought partners and all that kind of stuff. Substance is, hey, let's sit down and figure this out, you and I, and make yourself better, make our team better, and you and I develop a really good relationship. That's that, you know, that's the way things went. Hey, you know, you know, that shit's not acceptable here. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'll knock it off because it's more about more, more important about the team. And, you know, that's what they built in Texas. And that's what Chris Young built because he was real. He was genuine. You know, Uh, you know, I, I know some things he said. When, when, when he first went there and, you know, he, he saw issues, he addressed the issues, he addressed them honestly. Um, he knew what they needed to do to get better and he did it. And well, let's also he, give credit. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish. No. And, and, and he knew who the right leader was to hire. Great point. And, and, and let's give credit to the owner, Ray yeah. Davis, who yeah. spent the money, who hired Chris Young, who then hired Bruce Bochy and had the courage to do it his way. And I'm not surprised that it's a Texas guy who built, you know, you know, knows about business, yeah. who, who, who figured it out in baseball and spent the money. Because that Corey Seager signing, I think, is a great signing in that I put it up there with the Harper signing in that he gives you leadership. He's quieter than Harper. But that, I still go back to the play he made on the ground ball, turning yep. a double play. To me, that was that that that's that saved the World Series and and how many players, how many shortstops would make that play? By the way, I got to throw this out there, and I need your opinion on this. Will nothing against the kid, but Anthony Volpe wins a Gold Glove. I, you know, <clears throat> there was a lot of young players that won. I uh, I almost think that they've said, hey, let's turn the page and develop some new stars. Maybe I don't know. I think you're right. Um, I know some people over at the Rawlings, and I'm sure they're going to be mad at me for this. But do a better job. Who's on the committee, too? By the way, yeah, they they don't they don't even give their criteria because we're because we mentioned Jim Cott. He was a Gold Glove winner. Oh um, my God! Every year he, he presents the awards to the pitchers. But I, he, we're trying to find out. And I asked him, 
what is the criteria in this analytic driven world? Can you give us the formula, the numbers, whatever you're using to get these answers? Because, and I don't, I don't mean to crush Volpe because I'm congratulations to him, but he's not even the best shortstop on the roster. No, yeah, he's I, not. You know, and, you know. And, and I watched him all year pretty much. And, and there were a lot of plays where, uh, you know, you had you 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 know, like, is he going to make this play or not? And it's a pretty routine play. He's not there, Jeter. You know, it's like Jeter when they said Jeter couldn't play shortstop. You know, again, they've ruined every aspect of the game, and now now they're ruining the awards. And that's why one good thing the BBWA, you know, the Baseball Writers Association of America, still votes on a lot of these other awards. You know, and, and they they do it right for the most part. And uh, Maybe every once in a while something sneaks in that shouldn't have been. But, again, these have to be uh, voted on before the season ends. And uh, I myself, if I had a manager of the year this year, I would have voted for Bochy. But I'm sure the guy in Baltimore will win. That's a fine choice, too. Uh, but but these, I think he nailed it. I think uh, I think you guys nailed it. I think they're trying to turn turn over to uh, new superstars. and yeah, uh, new players in the market there. that are – Yep. They were on Instagram and TikTok. Yep, I think you nailed it. Yep. Who's the, no. who's the baseman, Will, the young kid that plays third for them now? Uh, Peraza? Not Peraza, is it? Yeah, Peraza Cabrera. ended up playing third base. And Peraza? To me, he's the best shortstop on that roster. I, 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 you know, he has more range and he's got a bigger arm than Volpe. Volpe's a very, very good player. And yeah. I don't, you know, not to knock him, uh, I'm really proud of our kid that we developed out of a Division II school, won the National League uh, center field gold glove, Brenton Doyle. He's a tremendous athlete. Um, yeah, you know, he seems to have that competitive spirit as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He plays – it reminds me a lot of, <clears throat> of Jason Worth, but um, he's very, very athletic. He comes to play – play hard every day. Um, but, you know, he was in the minor leagues to start the season. Uh, you know, the kid in Atlanta has a few years under his belt. Uh, you know, there are some other good established center fielders in the game already. I'm, I'm happy and proud that our kid won. And I think he, uh, you know, when I saw him play, I thought he had the chance to be a gold glove type player defensively because he's so athletic and he has – good instincts for the ball. But, you know, again, uh, you know, I was surprised that Arenado got dethroned at third base. Yeah, he can't field anymore, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, Are they trying to erode standards, maybe? You know, things that kind of like much like in what's going on in the real world, things that we could count on for years and years of like, I see this guy play shortstop, he's a gold glover. There's no doubt in my mind he's Ozzie Smith or whatever. I see Jim Cott. He's a gold glover. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get surprised by this. Are they trying to keep us off balance in baseball? And by that, I mean, are they trying to keep uh, people who work in the business, people who are fans, like, you know, uh, what you see, what your eyes are telling you are not real. That's, yeah. is, that, is, that, is that what they're is – is is that the bottom line here? I, I, I really don't know. I was just surprised that, that, that the young kids – won those uh, gold glove awards. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't look at Arenado's numbers, but he went from a platinum glove last year to not winning the gold glove in the national league this year. The only way that could happen is if he had an injury and was just terrible, but you know, that's, there's a lot of things going on. Like the ball hasn't changed either. They tell us too. So uh, yeah. No. 
the guy who's over the gold glove, I don't know if you guys knew Vince Gennaro and his background, if you know, he's the head of the Sabermetric Society oh. Analytics. <laughs> the, okay. they're, they're, there's there you your answer. Then. There's your answer. Right there's, some, uh, there, there's some bizarre uh, new quotient because they couldn't watch and see who the gold gloves guys were. Yeah. I have a new, uh, what do you call it when you abbreviate something, you know, like AMBS, America's yeah, yeah, you're the genius of the group. So my new one is uh, DTN, and uh, it's going to be a good one because it's it's going to be, and this week proves it once again, D as in dog, T as in Tommy, Tommy boy, and N as in Nancy. And that stands for don't trust nerds. Right. No, it's, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I remember uh, early on with the shifts, Billy Ripken used to argue with with uh, with different analytic people who said it wasn't affecting guys range. It wasn't affecting their reaction. And Billy was going, oh, no, you, you know, uh, they're not getting to as many balls as they got to when they played straight up. So you can't tell me that it's helping them. And how did the Texas Rangers you know, partly they won the World Series because of their defense? Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Arizona, Arizona was the best defensive team in the National League. Um, I mean, their guys won gold gloves. Those two teams that win the World I, Series. I, I, I'm me, not, I'm, I, again, I, I, I'm going to hammer this home. Again, I, I, I don't vote on it or anything like that, but how could you not have Corey Seager in the, in the equation? I know he's hurt a little bit this year, but come on. Yeah. I, you know, uh, you know the 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 young center fielder from Arizona who helped his team go to yeah. the World Series. Yep. Uh, he was as good as our kid. I you know I I I I don't know what their criteria are. So um, I you know sometimes I don't understand their criteria. Sometimes I I I understand them, but I don't get them because they really don't mean as much as they've put value to them. Well, that's what people. I had, I had a quiz question for you guys right now. Um, what was who was the team? The only team, Greg Council, who just got the forty million dollar contract, setting a new standard for managing contracts. Uh, uh, you know, for you know, he's such a you know, uh, it's such a great deal. What was the only team he beat in the playoffs in his long run of nine years? I believe it was in Milwaukee in he a playoff round. He beat the Rockies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they uh, they swept us, and then uh, he got to a game six against the Dodgers, and I, that's where they fell in love with him because he manipulated a bullpen game and uh, against the Dodgers, and they were like, oh, my gosh, he's the smartest manager in baseball. So... Uh, it should be quite a well, you know. I've, I've, uh, I, I know some people in Milwaukee. It should be quite a welcoming when uh, he goes back to Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they'll be real happy with him. And who's going to fill that role? Uh, do you think they'll, they'll they'll use uh, Murphy, the bench coach, or will will their nerds go out and get a nerd to manage? Because Murphy's a baseball guy. Yeah, Murphy, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Murphy uh, makes the trip to, to Chicago at some point. Uh, yeah, he may Yeah, he may end up there with counsel. Why yeah, can't Andy Alomar get a sniff, Junior? I, I don't know. Because I think windows open at a certain time, and I've covered Sandy as a player, intelligent guy, catcher, 
respected, uh, obviously Latino, so well respected in that uh, area. The Sandy Sandy was totally different than Robbie at Alamar, and Sandy, um, I first realized how different Sandy was when in spring training he used to, and this is you know we're talking way back eighty eight ish, you know, and but he would have all these like motorized cars that he would play with, you know, so he was techno savvy. Um, uh, he should have been, uh, you know, years ago, he should have been on the list for some reason he keeps getting by. It's one of those things where they're always looking for, uh, the new, the new guy and Sandy just, um, his time passed in their eyes. I think he'd be a great manager. I still yeah. do. And, um, but there's something there, um, that they, the word, the nerd word is out that they, they don't hire him. And, and again, he fits all the, uh, you know, he, he was a catcher. So catchers make good managers for the most part. And, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of guys don't fit now. And that's why I brought up Willie Randolph. Willie was, I thought Willie did a great job with the Mets. It's oh, like Rick Peterson doesn't fit in their world yeah. anymore. Once you get bypassed, you're gone, you know, and, and, and Will sees it in the scouting industry all the time. Look at the changes the nationals made. And somebody made a good point. I've been saying this for years, but people are starting to, you know, pick up on what I said. A lot of a lot of former good major leaguers from different eras would move into coaching. They don't move into coaching anymore because of the pay. And uh, the latest is the example of this is Sean Casey. Sean Casey could have stayed on as the Yankees hitting coach. You know, he has he's best friends with Boone. He's trying to save Boone's job. Uh, but he basically, you know, he's going back to the podcast world, the mayor's office. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to live in that world. He doesn't want to work like they have to work these coaches um, so you're getting a lot of guys who never made the Mets. Somebody made this point to me about the Mets. They, they, they keep hiring guys other than Buck Showalter who have no major league experience as managers or no major league experience as players. And that eventually comes back to haunt them, especially in New York City. Yeah. I'd, I'd put a question out there to the, the social media world about the Mets uh, managerial hire. And I don't have a relationship with him like, like you do with Mendoza, but, uh, I got a, an interesting response back from a marital counselor. That was probably the most intriguing when I got back. He said that when people get divorced, that they generally take the nine, the one percent they hate about their spouse, and they will attract or be attracted to that, and that will represent ninety nine percent of their new person. And he goes, and it doesn't work to go total opposite. And he said, he said that's what I think the Mets did. They took that's the, a great point, and, and you see it all the time in baseball. You see it all the time. They go from from one extreme to the other. And again, they they clearly and Billy Epler. Let's not forget Billy Epler, because also in that David Stern's original press conference, he he also said, "I love you know Billy and I have a great relationship. Looking forward to working with Billy." Well, Billy's out the door, uh, you know. So so again, D, you know, don't trust nerds. And um and and I don't know what Billy did, but obviously it was enough to get him uh you know get him out the door. But he, just from a GM standpoint, he didn't do the job. So so we see it over and over. They go the opposite direction. So Buck got set up to fail after winning 100 games. He got set up to fail with guys like Vogelback who can't play the new athletic game in any way, shape, or form. And now they've gone completely to a young – now, a little insight on Mendoza. I used to hang out in the dugout all the time. And um, um, so he would come out early, and he would always – he'd walk out. And he'd have baseballs in his hand and he would put a baseball kind of like at the high point where the infield where the shortstop would stand, the second baseman, and, and just like kind of to 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 uh, to get that visual of where guys should be and things like that. So so 
it's uh, you know it's 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 just a goofy little thing, but it shows you that he has an attention to detail that uh, a bench coach should have. So so he's been there, he's managed a little bit, but is he going to be ready when all those goofy Mets things happen? You know, and uh, uh, you know something crazy happens for the Mets, and also you know the Mets have gone through PR guys recently too. That's pretty interesting too. They've gotten to like two or three different PR people the last few years. So that tells me that Cone wants to be involved in every aspect of it, and um, and he's uh, he he keeps he keeps getting people from other organizations raises. So uh, you know, but he doesn't he hasn't improved the Mets. We're, we're pretty much back in the Wilpon years in a, in a lot of ways with the Mets, especially with the teams in that uh, you know uh, organization uh, that that division getting better. And also choices, you know, Brett Batty, he was picked four picks before Corbin Carroll. So these things add up quickly. Yeah. What, what, what would be the rationale for changing PR guys? Is it, it's, you said it's a control thing? He wants control to thing. Yeah, it's a control thing. And, and, um, and also maybe the, the, like, uh, for example, Harold Kaufman, who was two PR guys ago, he was very good with Buck. Him and Buck, there was a symmetry between them. So once, once Harold got fired, again, this is what I always do, why I was successful at my job. Once Harold got fired for crazy, there was no real reason. They just, they went to some woman out of, uh, out of, um, out of uh, Cohen's uh, business world uh, who knew nothing about baseball, from what I could tell, uh, or didn't, you know, had, had some difficulties with it. Uh, once Harold got fired, I said, oh, Buck's in trouble. Because <laughs> when they fired a guy who was like close to the manager, it tells you something. Yeah, that's that's a shame. Now, with the with the staffs, well, as you're watching this stuff, or let's say take the Mets, will he have any control of his staff? Yeah, I would think so. I would think, you know, that uh, you know Wayne Kirby most likely was gone. Uh, I know Dominic Chidi moved on, who was the bullpen coach. Uh, Eric Chavez was the bench coach. Um, I thought he'd be the next manager. That's you know what I he was he was Billy's guy. So, um, I you know it, it, it'll be interesting. You know you know it, most GMs historically you want the manager to have as much of his staff as possible, but that's also changed a lot in our game too. Um, I think with Carlos Mendoza coming in, he'll just accept anybody they put on him. And the big question there is, will Buck get the job in Anaheim? Yeah. If Buck gets the job in Anaheim, then, then his people, some of them will move out there with him. Yeah. And uh, uh, a little insight, too, on Eric Chavez. Of course, he played for the A's. Always got along great with him. Um, uh, you know, really knew baseball. Good hitting coach. Um, he's, a, he's, he's from San Diego. His mom was like the lunch lady at my daughter's high school. So, so oh, wow. my, my daughter, daughter Kelly, uh, you know, had high high praise for Eric Chavez's family unit because the mom was such a great person. So, well, maybe uh, people. And these, this is a little bit. Of, so, my point is a, a little bit of homework. I know more about him than probably uh, uh, Mr. Cohen even knows. Maybe Preller will interview him. Although I I read this morning where. Preller's now targeting David Ross. That makes sense to me. I could see Preller going to a David Ross. He'll land on his feet. Um, and in the long run, David Ross will be better off being in San Diego where there's really no pressure. Um, the fans are just happy uh, to have a team after the Chargers left. 
So I think that makes a lot of sense. And and that's what you do. You sit back. And Preller, of course, we know, goes through managers like, you know, I used to go through ice cream bars. But uh, Did you we'll, see, see how it, uh, we'll see how it goes. Did you see he took his farm director out of the farm director's job and gave him the AAA manager's job, which was kind yeah, of odd. And the guy's never managed at any level anywhere. What happens in Oakland? Ch- Chavez wouldn't look at, at Oakland? Or Las Vegas, whatever they're going to be. Well, uh, did did they let uh, Katze go? No, Katze's their guy. He'll be there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, Kat, you know, you you can't do what you did to Katze the last year and <laughs> and then stick it stick it to him or whatever. You know, go through two years of that type of rebuild. My gosh, that's horrible. No, I think what you say makes a lot of sense. I could see Ross because Preller wants a he wants veteran guys. That, and Ross is, a, again, a smart catcher, um, and I think he knows more baseball than they allowed him to do in Chicago. I don't think he's a dummy, yeah. and um, um, I think his hands were tied in a lot of ways, and and he'll, he'll fit great into that market. Um, you know, I could just see him going to the, the coffee shops out there, hanging out, you know, being uh, Mr. Petco, the fans saying, oh, we, we worked out, this is better than Bob Melvin. And again, you keep it you keep it simple in baseball. To me, that's 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 the move to make. And then also, Buck is the move to make for the Angels. It would be a no brainer to hire Buck. What would make him feel comfortable out there, though, Buck? With same with Council, like they're walking into situations that have been dumpster fires. What, what would what were, I guess? Well, Artie Moreno is a he's the collector of uh, you know big names. So he obviously Buck loves loves to have a relationship with the owner. And he did build a good relationship with Cohen. Uh, you could see that early on. But, you know, again, don't trust nerds. Uh, he, you know, he got nailed. And um, uh, so I think Buck would be good with Artie because Artie wants to feel involved. And Artie makes a lot of mistakes. So Buck would kind of cover up for him a little bit, wouldn't bury the owner. I also think uh, Perryman Addison uh, has uh, learned that the nerd, the nerd way is not the way to go. You need to go the baseball way like the Rangers did. So I think he'll um, – He'll realize he needs a real baseball man. And I'd love to see Buck in a situation there where he's actually making the calls and decisions because I think the Angels are a team, and Will can address this, I think the Angels are a team that need a little more discipline. It, it can't just be waiting for Mike Trout and Otani, and they're going to lose Otani. To me, it's a no-brainer Otani to go to the Dodgers. Um, um, and uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people say in Boston, we'll see where it goes, but I think Buck is a perfect fit out there because I think the Angels would give Buck that will be the deciding place for Buck for his legacy because if he screws it up, if it goes bad in the Angels, then it's on Buck. Uh, but if he succeeds there, then we know the Mets screwed up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we've kept almost kept you guys almost an hour. How do we want to close out? What do we want to leave the audience with? I like go ahead, the. Where you go first. You've had an acronym every week, Kevin, for the last four weeks. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, I've been writing, listening to my acronyms, yeah. Been, I've been writing them down. Don't trust the nerds, DTN this week. Yeah, that's a big one. And uh, I'll go, Will. I'll let Will go first because, uh, you know, it's a busy week with uh, GM meetings and we'll see where things, you know, this is where they lay the groundwork for trades. I think Cashman speaks on Wednesday. So we'll hear the same, same stuff we've heard for the last 10 years and the media will jump all over it. And meanwhile, they'll, they'll double down on the analytics. So go, go ahead, Will. Let me ask you guys a question before you start. It has to do with the Yankees. So maybe it leads in, but they ever since they've been, you know, started at the end of the season with Cashman Boone, um, they've deflected a little bit with this Juan Soto talk. That's window dressing, correct? That's not real. 
I think a one side will wind up a Yankee. I really do. Uh, yeah, I, I I could see them try uh, San Diego. Uh, do they have another year with him? Yeah. Yeah, I could see them moving him. Uh, you know, it, it, it was not a good experiment for them, quite honestly. You know, well, they and they're also didn't they have a didn't they have to make a big bar of fifty million dollars or something to yeah, beat yeah. payroll? And uh, I mean, he'll be a free agent after this year, I believe. But uh, the point is, he, he um, I've always said it about Cashman. He, his moves are so obvious, it's ridiculous. And uh, to me, it's the perfect thing. Prowler's going to want to get rid of um, you know get rid of money. Um, the owner's going to want to get rid of money, and I you know. It's, I said the same thing about the hiring of David Stearns. Be careful what you wish for. Unless Soto turns it around um, emotionally, he could get destroyed in New York um, if the fans jump on him. And this could be another Stanton-type uh, 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 one-trick pony deal. Is he fragile? Well, well you know, he, he, he just hasn't responded. You know, you know, he was on the World Series team as a kid. And I don't think there was a lot of pressure, but when he got brought into San Diego and it was like, okay, well now we're going to win a world series. His numbers from the time he got traded to San Diego to through this year have not been very good. And, um, you know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a leader and uh, to pay that kind of money to put that kind of, uh, label on a player and him not perform uh to me would make sense for them to move him and he's what, 25 still he's 25 yeah, he's still relatively young maybe 25 26 years old well that's what scares me he's he's young and i don't like his body right now he needs to uh get in better shape if you watch him in left field he wasn't a good left fielder no and, you know and and you know boris really miscalculated because they left 400 million on the table in yep. washington before the trade Yep, and I don't think they're going to sniff that uh, on on where he is now, unless he gets traded to New York and has a monster season, and then you go, gosh, why didn't you give that effort for the last year and a half? Because it's the last year for a contract. It's funny yeah. how that works. Yeah, yeah, and it's I think really... he also, in in one way, New York would be good for him because Aaron Judge is the leader there, so right. he doesn't have to take on any any leadership roles. He can right. just be the guy that walks and makes people excited. And two things I don't like about his game, like I said, the outfield, and he's again, he's got great talent. I'm not I'm not disparaging that, but but he's more excited to walk it seems sometimes than to drive and to run from second yeah. base, and, yeah. and that that concerns me with a player. And uh, I think the Yankees need to get more athletic not less athletic and uh, and in the past Cashman has shown us he he's uh, he'll double down on the analytics and he'll double down on the Stantons of the world and uh, you know that was just a terrible decision Stanton essentially over Bryce Harper uh, so I don't see the Yankees climbing out of this and the other question is one thing I will say about Preller you know he kind of likes to scout thing do the Yankees have enough young talent to make that trade or can he get something from somewhere else that's better. Oh, than- yeah, I you know, they have they have they have some pitching prospects at the upper end. Uh there's some young position players that they could put in that deal. You know, you'll you know the Martian might be in that deal. Uh you know, maybe uh the uh, you know uh, Oswaldo uh, Peraza the shortstop could be in that deal although 
you know, he's already running out of middle infielders. They got Bogarts over there. So it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. But the Yankees, the Yankees still have enough to make that deal. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how do you want to leave the audience here? I'll get, I'll well, I, I, I want to commend Kevin driving straight through from Jersey to St. Augustine, <laughs> listening to the Giants and not falling asleep. Uh, yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> That's a yeoman. Uh, you must have had a lot of our blackout coffee. And <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of coffee on the way. And also, I listened to the uh, again. You know, we're talking basically fifteen hours uh, with rest stops and everything else. And uh, I also listened to the complete Seattle game, and that was my pick this week. That the you know my NFL pick was the uh, Ravens. We're gonna uh, st- Ravens are so good and they're so underrated. And that, that was a no-brainer to me. It also was a no-brainer to me that the Raiders would crush, would crush the Giants. It's they, they've given up. Um, I know Antonio Pierce. I covered him as a player. Uh, he, he's uh, he's 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 uh, with the flashy diamond earrings and everything. You think, okay, you know, a little bit of a you know maybe a showman, but he's old school. He's a football coach. He'll do a good job with the Raiders. Uh, you know, if they keep him on, he's interim, but he wants to beat your butt. And I think uh, more power to Antonio Pierce. I'll leave it with this. I want to see more coaches get into football, basketball, baseball managers who want to beat your, keep it simple. We want to beat your ass, beat your ass. My, I'll leave you with one more BYA, beat your ass. That's the way to go. I know that. BYA. Uh, play the game, play, play, play all the games the right way. I will say I, Tuned into a college basketball game, the Las Vegas tournament, Oregon and Georgia, and uh, could only watch about half of the first half. It was such a just sloppy, poorly played game. And I hate seeing that. I I always loved watching well-played basketball, defense, plays being made, rebounding, uh, guys, guys doing their jobs. Uh, moving the ball around, uh, you know, not a lot of dribble down, f- fire up a three-pointer or try to go to the basket and force a shot. It's a lot of bad basketball. Too. Yeah, teamwork. I, I, turned on, uh, I turned on a few minutes of the Knicks game the other day. I saw they, they, they missed 11 straight three-pointers and kept taking them. And it was one of those stupid uh, – also uh, – the analytics. That's what they're honestly got. It's analytics. All analytics. I see it just drifting into football too. They ruin everything. But also, this. What does it say about the NBA? You have got to have an in-season tournament or something to to kind of create interest. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. And baseball is is heading in the same direction. Uh, that's why college football is still big because people know those kids. You know, until you get to the ball games, they play their hearts <laughs> out, and uh, you can turn things around. But it's a, it's a crazy, crazy sports world we're living in right now. But again, the, 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 the plus side is there's always room for Chris Young and a Bruce Bochy to come into an organization and just kick everybody else's butt because, because they're worrying about all the wrong things when these guys are worrying about the right things. So I'm going to leave it with congratulations, Boach. We go way back, uh, 1988 and, uh, always a solid guy. And, uh, I think I used the quote before. I'll use it one more time. It's a good way to close. But I asked him in 2019 dugout in San Francisco, Boach, why now are you getting out? I knew the reason. He was getting out because the nerds in San Francisco drove him nuts. 
but he had to give him, uh, he had to give up a, a, a correct, kind of like a politically correct answer. And he said, Kevin, you know, 25 years straight managing and three stents, time, time to take a break. You know, so he took his break, got his health right, won the World Series. Congratulations to Bochi and his people like Mike Maddox. And uh, yeah. real baseball people still win. And that's great to see. Love it. And BYA, beat your ass instead of CYA, cover your ass. I like <laughs> yeah, it. that's the good way to go. Love like it. And uh, ha- one of us, happy anniversary to our very own Jim Rooney, uh, 14 years yeah. now. He, uh, him and his wife, Maureen, out there in the Charlotte area. Happy anniversary to him. And then happy 85th uh, birthday to Jim Cott, our Hall of Fame Jim Cott. Yeah. 85 today. So I asked if it was all right if I revealed his age. And he said he couldn't remember it. So he was glad that I did. So, <laughs> uh, but and also encourage our, our audience, uh, pull up. We, we had a nice tribute to Bob Knight last week, which you guys are talking about selfless play, personal responsibility, uh, you know, handling your business. Uh, we had Tom Penders on uh, Jerry Trupiano's show. Another great a, coach. Yeah, great tribute tonight. He had a lot of great things to say about you, Kevin, as well. And uh, you know, he, he talked. He, he played minor league baseball too. I didn't know that until we yeah. talked. The show. Well, his brother is his brother is coach at UConn, right? He's that. Yeah, he's this. His uh, his his son is the skipper at UConn. His son. Yeah. And, uh, yep. And he's uh, him and his brother were good ball players there at UConn and they won a world series with our very own Bob Schaefer. So got to, got to learn that a little bit on the show, but, uh, thanks to our audience. Keep supporting us. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, touch them all with Bob Schaefer. They'll have uh, Joe Castiglione on. So tune in for that one as well. Joe's so another good guy. Uh, good one. Know, he, uh, it's very pleasant. It's one of the great things about summer baseball driving around. As you know, I drive a lot. Um, and, and listening to these guys, it, it kind of puts you in a good place instead of the professional screamers that most announcers have become. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yep, it does, those propaganda guys. We're looking forward to that tomorrow. And thanks to our uh, newest friend, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. I think if we were to entitle the show today, we're asking the baseball world, start getting awake and stop being woke here. Start asking some some serious questions. And thank you to you guys, Will George, Kevin Kernan, the star of our show here, AMBS. Thanks for what you do. And make sure we tune into Kevin's articles twice a week and support our guys at Ball 9 over there and follow him on on, on social media. Very active. Um, I do it as well to try to keep up with, with what's going on in the world. He's my go-to guy with everything. So, Kevin, thanks so much for being so active out there. Thanks for what you do. Will George, we look forward to your show this week. Who do you guys have on this week? You have uh, – uh, we're working on a former World Series manager. Uh, hopefully, he's going to be available, but I haven't heard from uh, Mark yet. I got a good, good. I got a positive text tomorrow, so to, uh, this morning, so possible. I'll throw it out there. Uh, possible Hargrove, Mike Hargrove, on the show this week. So um, we'll keep it posted. But guys, thanks so much. We appreciate you. We'll end it with our Oliver Anthony guy here. And uh, make sure you go on the, the Blackout Coffee, 20% off. Use capital D-A-V-I-D, all caps, number 20. Get 20% off at checkout, your first purchase, and then 15% in perpetuity just to say thank you to our audience here. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Get paid so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and down my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to. Just wake up, may it not be true, but it is.